Evan Rauer here with War Room, the Hockey Podcast, coming with you here another week, episode 32 this week. Um, War Room, the Hockey Podcast, 31 episodes in. Uh, we're happy to be this far in, and we look forward to many, many more episodes to come. Ep- episode 32 this week, um, we are recording in studio this week, so no more on location, at least for, for right now, unfortunately, <laughs> even though I had a very good time with the, the road show. Uh, on location stuff that was I've not was had a hot on. dog since <laughs> I had my fill of hot dogs on that trip and uh, not a not a rink steak I don't know how long I can last but it's going to be a while uh, War Room the Hockey Podcast can be found uh, Facebook Instagram and Twitter um, Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as Podbean if you are familiar with that um, but this week a uh, couple headlines to start um we talked about this uh, a little bit off air a few days ago, maybe a week ago, um, but I found an interesting note in relation to it. Did you um, only three percent of the current players in today's NHL still don't wear a visor? Only three percent of the players. That's nine. Only nine. Players, teen guys, yeah, don't wear a visor in the NHL. I saw that, and they're only able to do that because they were in the league yep. prior to the prior to the rule. And then, and, and yet they, they seem to be fine. All nineteen of them seem to be just fine. And they talked about it. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly is likely to, likely to be the last one to, yeah, not wear a visor. One of the younger guys, and probably going ha- to because simply because he'll be he's the youngest guy of the nineteen. And he'll be the last one playing, last one active without one once Thornton and all those guys uh, hang up the skates. So, I'd, But only 19 players out of all 700-plus players in the, in the NHL um, don't wear a visor. 3%. Never liked that rule. That interesting. I think it's a stupid rule. I think they ought to let the guys do whatever they want to do. I, and, and the respect, the respect for your face and the stick play, is directly proportional to the amount of crap that you have to wear so that your big brother can make you try to play hockey without ever getting hurt. And all these guys seem to be just fine. They're okay. They haven't lost eyes and everything. And they're no different than everybody else. Why do they have to do that? Is beyond how. Do, these are the same people that make it so you can't even parallel park your own car without pushing a button. Oh, ah, we're going to hit something. Good grief. Should we allot a two-minute segment here so you can just kind of continue? No, on? my blood pressure can't stand it. Okay. It's okay. Well, in that same note, um, <laughs> the Leafs are a topic in, in regards to the toughness conversation. I thought we were going to take it easy on my blood pressure here and not make it worse. But um, actually, the Washington game, they played a little they bit. They played a little edgier. Yeah. But um, in, the, in this context, in this, in this um, topic of conversation, though, um, in recent games here uh, recently, um, Barry takes a hit from Jeff Petrie. Nothing. Austin Matthews takes a hit from Brendan Dillon. Nothing. John Tavares takes a hit from Shea Weber. Nothing. No one does anything. No. Um, now, is this a Babcock problem? Is it a Dubis problem? Is it a league issue, an epidemic with how their with their rule changes, with visors, with whatever? Now, was it, it, or is it, or is it, or is it a mixture of all three? It's it's Dubis and. Babcock. It's the way he coached in Detroit. It's the way Dubas has constructed the roster. Last year, their heavyweight, and I'm saying this tongue firmly in cheek, was Nazem Kadri. The guy who stepped up last night, and thank God the linesman stepped in before he got a chance to be throttled by Tom Wilson, was Freddie Gauthier. They have no one in that lineup that can throw an elbow or finish a hit or let alone, my goodness, ever drop the gloves. Of course, everybody's wearing visors. You can't really fight in today's game much. It's, but it's you just not a, practical, you but you have to have a deterrent. You, you, got, need, you, you got, need a response, and you exactly. don't necessarily need a deterrent on the basis of 
everybody needs a Ryan Reeves or a Tom Wilson, but you need, at least need a deterrent in the basis of a response. Yeah. So be- I'm, I like me, for example, I may not be the grittiest player, but you, you catch, you catch a teammate of mine, pick a guy, Landon Hale. Yep. Kyle, you know, you pick a guy like that and you, you catch him from behind. I may get my ass kicked, but I'm at least going to get in your face. about Show it. up. I'm at least going to get in your face about it because it's a it's a teammate aspect there. It more so than whether or not you can throw. Well, yeah, right. You so don't, you, you don't s- need to. Th- why why break your hand on someone's visor? Yeah. That's just dumb. So since you can't do that, they've taken fighting out without taking fighting out. Since you can't do that anyway, you have to have a deterrent. And today's game, the deterrent is somebody that can throw bodies and I mean actually throw bodies and that is Tom Wilson that's Reeves it's there are most teams have somebody that if you if you go into Washington and you take liberties with Backstrom you're going to become a stain on the end boards Wilson will ruin you and everybody knows that and that's why that's why people treat them lightly I you you have to have that. Everyone knows when you go into Toronto, you can hit anyone you want, any way you want, and no one will ever do anything. And if they do, it's a it's a cream puff deal. The way they play the game, it's it, the way they respond to a big hit is the same way they play the other fifty nine and a half minutes of the game. It's soft, and that's why they get bounced every year in the first round. Well, they you need a response, and soft. you need a response, and in comparison to the conversation. You know, in talking of a response, um, the type of response that you need is what you saw in Ottawa. Brandon Dillon steps on uh, steps up on Anthony Duclair, right? And in the same sequence, the same play, just ten seconds later, literally ten seconds later, in response to that hit, Brady Kachuk takes out Eric Carlson, right? So it. That's the type of response in today's NHL that you need. You don't necessarily need to drop the gloves and throw no. haymakers, but you finish need, a check. But you Skate need to through it. You need to at least it. respond and stand step up for your teammates with some emotion. That okay, fine. You want to step up like that? All right. Well, watch me step up. Yeah, exactly. Right? You need the you need the response. If we had when when we're on television. And I can, and we can play video. I'll run some clips for you of the number of times in any sixty-minute game that Maple Leafs skate right up to a check and turn and skate away from it. And that's not—I'm not just picking on them, but the entire league is built this way now. Yeah. Well, I need to go take a walk. Anyway, can we, we take calm a down. commercial break and I'll go around the block? Well, no commercials here, so. God. But. Uh, we're not on TV yet, so no commercials there. Uh, Come on. <laughs> well, before anything, uh, hit the subscribe button, rate and review, and settle in for episode number 32 of War Room, the Hockey Podcast. Back with you, episode 32, uh, presented by North Paw Media, uh, Breakaway Brewing, the finest in handcrafted beer in the Okanagan. If you're ever in the Okanagan Valley, uh, stop in in Summerland, BC, and on Victoria Road, and have yourself a glass of craft beer at Breakaway Brewing. Um, Ryan Walter at ryanwalter.com, leadership guru, check him out, ryanwalter.com. Uh, NHL great, great friend of the show. Leadership uh, retreats, uh, tremendous advocate for leadership, not only in sport, but also in the corporate world and business world, Um, travels around to CEOs and businesses, um, sports organizations, uh, different areas, different cities, Canada and the U.S., uh, giving his uh, lectures and his, his lessons, and he also runs retreats in the B.C. area um, for teenagers and early 20s uh, for what they can expect 
moving into the adult world, into the business world, um, on how to not only be a good leader, but how to spot good leadership. So, uh, tremendous person, tremendous friend of the show, NHL great, Ryan Walter, ryanwalter.com. So I'm talking this morning uh, with you playing the old-timers game here, and I'm talking to one of our local guys, Pete Cracknell, um, great guy. Um, Adam's one of our uh, local boys here that uh, that has made it. Um, he's kind of what I presume finishing up right now. He's in the KHL. He knocked around for several years uh, through the AHL, had some time in the, in the big leagues. Uh, and it, it occurred to me, we're talking, he's making, he's, he's probably, he's on a one-year deal in the K. Probably Is making, he in the K now? Yeah. Because uh, he was in, he played for the he, goals in the AHL last right. year. He was, a, he was in the Ducks organization. And he's here. their leading scorer. Yeah, he had a great Calder Cup run uh, last year. Was doing, but they didn't, they doing didn't well. bring him back. Just a... Yeah, it's a. I guess it's a roster spot thing. He probably, you know, I don't know what kind of, what kind of obligation they were under with him as far as money was concerned. But he, because the KHL, as a lot of the t- leagues in Europe are, they're tax free. So okay. no taxes. They give you a stipend for living expenses and per diem. So you're you know, whatever it costs you to rent and travel and uh, a lot of times your, you know, food and beverage even, you at least get some help with that. So let's say right now I'm going to guess, and I don't know this for sure, but I think Adam's probably making 400, maybe 500,000 U.S. in the KHL. He would have to make, at California's tax rate, he would have to make over a million bucks to have the same amount of money left over on payday. So I know a lot of the leagues like Switzerland and and Germany and and, uh, the Swedish league and and Finns, they're the same way. In the professional ranks, you get uh, a lot of times you're tax-free, a lot of times your apartment and, and your living expenses and car is paid for for you. So guys are, it's a great way for guys to continue to, put away a few bucks from the game when their professional career here is over or or at least going down, you, you be, get paid better because you keep more of it. And it's a, it's a way to not be finished at 25 or 26 and have to go out. Maybe you came through the CHL and you don't have, you did not get the education because you turned pro. Now at 26 years old, your mid-20s, late-20s, your playing career is over here, and you can still make a good living if you can, if you can handle being overseas for three or four years. So, but it occurred to me, and you, you and I talk about this a lot, uh, it doesn't matter whether you're, whether you're Connor McDavid or a six-year-old in playing house league. Money drives everything. It, money drives everything. It drives everything, and sometimes in a really good way. And in a very, very bad way. Sometimes in a very bad way. Unfortunately. Look at the money effect on the women's game right now. The women's game is basically stalled. It's not going to get back in gear and become become a viable business proposition until the money issues get resolved, which means... Which means eyeballs. Yeah, we don't want it to get lost. It's not as simple as as money issue, meaning pay them what they want. No, it's just charity. What it is is money issue in terms of, okay, you want to make that money. All right, well, now you've got to prove that your game can bring in the eyeballs that the NHL does. Am I going to sell more real estate or more cars or more blue jeans or whatever it is because I sponsor your league? If I give, if I put a $5 million sponsorship into the uh, women's league, am I going to get that all back in increased sales for whatever it is that I do? And that's, that's what everybody has to look at, or it's just simply charity. So that's, but that affects every, that's the same everywhere. That's the same in junior B, junior A, major junior. Uh, look at, look what teams have to pour into their East Coast league 
teams, which draw very little and are actually money drains in most cases, AHL affiliates. Some NHL franchises certainly lose a lot of money. There, it, if you don't have the money situation right, whether you're a house league team uh, playing minor hockey or whether you're a National Hockey League team, if you don't get the money situation right, it's troublesome and it'll rear its head some way. You've experienced that. I've experienced it. Uh, everybody, I mean, locally here, our minor hockey system is experiencing it now. A lot of minor it, hockey systems deal with the the evil side of money, meaning um, they deal with the problem of making money. I don't want to say hand over fist, because that would be me assuming that they make more money than maybe they do because um, we do have to be fair that some associations probably don't make as much money as our emotions in things want to want us to believe but what i will say is that they make enough money to properly uniform the kids properly you know pay for road trips and tournaments to properly properly pay coaches right and and to do these things and with a lot of youth hockey associations they make you believe that they they can't that they can't afford it they don't have the budget they don't have the money for it meaning coaches that are 25 years old and know the game and can give back are can't be found because they're not getting paid and so all you're stuck with are dads who can't stand up on skates think they know more than they do being the ones coaching your teams which means they're just favoriting their own child right and and on top of that you know you get a lot of you know old boys clubs in youth hockey with it's the it. directors and the select few coaches that they decide to bring into their inner circle. We're seeing it here. And you we see talked it, about it last week at the yeah, uh, at the V's game. You see, I've experienced it firsthand. We've touched on that in previous episodes. I experienced it firsthand myself, um, where where I grew up, where I where I coached, where where I participated. But we're also experiencing it here in the Okanagan. The the same situation where they they want coaches who aren't dads but they're not willing to pay and then they want you to believe they don't have the budget for it and it's just it's well and as a, it's, as a, a parent, it's a problem and that's this that's an example of the negative effect that money can have on youth hockey because you get directors who decide that that money should be used for what they deem it to be used for rather than the benefit of the growth of the game and the benefit of the, the kids. Of the entire system. That's where and, it should be. Yeah, but and that's the problem. You've got, you've got parents that have trouble putting their kids through hockey because of the amount of travel. Uh, I mean, just gas and food and hotels and stuff alone, if you're playing travel to any extent, is, is a lot. Depending on where you are, your ice time costs... Some places in the U.S., three or four hundred dollars an hour for ice time. It's when you start adding all that up, and then if you if you're trying to get your kid to be become a lot better, if that drive is there, you've got to skate through the spring and summer. So you got to play the rep league season in the springtime. You've got to play. Uh, you got to go to camps and stuff all over creation in the summertime. So all of a sudden, you've got. You've got a full-time job involved in just paying for your kids, uh, paying for your kids' mm -hmm. hockey expenses. I, I remember talking. Unless with you're kids. in the inner circle. Well, yeah. And then, and then but, your kid makes the A team because you're buddy buddy with the director, and then you're, you're getting hotel rooms and tournaments, you know, blocked off because hey, you know, you're my drinking buddy while we're there, and it, d things like that. So unless you're on the inner circle of of things like. You witnessed when I was growing up playing, like yep. I witnessed when I would, you know, at certain associations when I was coaching at these things. I saw it, it at three or four different associations that I was involved with. We saw it at the high you school were involved level. With, saw it at the high school level. Me personally, though, at the one, the I coached officially at one, um, unofficially at a second, 
And at both of those associations, it's the same thing. There's a, there's a favoritism inner circle with certain coaches. And then at that point, the cost of ice time for certain coaches is null and void. And you get certain coaches get private ice for nothing. If you have, if you are in minor hockey, and that's an issue, you should not. The problem is that it's not like I'm just going to reimburse your gas. I'm just going to reimburse your hotel expense. I'm going to give you a stipend because you're leaving work early two or three days a week to coach. You're getting up early every Saturday. You're traveling away from your family on weekends. That, you know, a stipend for that is perfectly in line and would probably improve the quality of coaching by a lot. The problem becomes when guys are making a living at it, when, when running a minor hockey association is a full-time job for one, two, three, four people, depending on the size of the association, now you've got, you've got a level of dictatorship that is not good for anyone because we're going to, we're going to favor ourselves on ice time. We're going to yep. favor ourselves on the schedule, travel expenses, uh, summer camps, not only do you work the summer camps, but you a lot of times can, that's a, that's a supplemental income running those things. That's where it gets to be troubling. And I remember talking with kids in high school who were playing AAA at the time, and this was 15, 20 years ago. They're playing, they're missing 25 to 30 days of school a year. They were spending... About at that time, and in 2001, 2003, 2005, somewhere along in there, they're spending twenty to twenty-five thousand dollars a year on equipment, ice time, travel expenses, and just simply the fee to play. Now, this was Triple A hockey. This was Bantam and Midget Triple A. So they're spending. And now, and that—that's before there was AAA at the Adam and Pee Wee level, which there is now. Which is ridiculous. So if you're spending, if you're going to spend twenty thousand dollars a year for eight or nine years to put a kid through hockey, in the hopes that you can get a scholarship, why not just write a check for, to go to school anywhere you want? Because yeah. the amount of money that you've got invested so that the coach can make 90 or 100 or so. Exactly. And his staff can have all the, everything they want. Because the question is with that, with, that, with that amount of money that's coming in every year for simply player registration, right? For kid registration. Right. That amount of money is coming in. And it makes you wonder what these associations and what these directors are doing with that money because that's a decent amount of money per kid not per team not per age level per kid 20 man roster for a 20 man roster at at what two or three teams per level right right abc per age group squirt peewee bantams etc that's 20 man rosters Per that, so it's per kid, you're getting this money. Where's that money going that you can't afford to pay coaches? But yet there's there's certain coaches that are not just getting paid, but they're making enough money to it's their make a living. Job. It is, and they're they're able to to buy fancy in, things and do these things. There's the problem. And that's the problem. That's if if and you have and if that, you have fifteen that, coaches in your system or 20 or 25 with some assistants that put in a lot of yeah. hours. Drives me batshit crazy. Just give everybody an equal stipend or a, you know, a per game or a per week or per travel or something, get, but treat them equally. Exactly. There whether is a level of, yeah. of corruption that comes with it, whether it's politics 100%. or hockey or yeah. anything else. There, it's, it's no different in the corporate world where people are getting free stuff to do business with this guy or that guy. It's the same thing. With the money comes the corruption at that level. It affects, 100%. It affects everything involving roster decisions mm-hmm. it affects everything from from adams and and from tim bits to the nhl yep. it affects everybody and it and there's no the good ones the successful ones get it right mm-hmm. the ones that flounder just simply don't and yep. it, it it's the misuse of money 
it's the improper generation of money. It's uh, like it's it's not just the fact that there's money involved because there is, but there's also a lot of people that can't afford it. No. And so how many like here locally, we're seeing our numbers actually decline instead of go up because of the rising expense and a continual lack of interest. And well, that, the that fun money is not could go injected back. into the game. That money could go back into the game and into the community, exactly. into the association, so that there's, there's resources and avenues for the families and the kids that can't afford it. But the problem is, the is, is this money's coming in per kid every year at registration, and it's going into a director's pocket, basically. That's ultimately what's happening here. And then that director is deeming which coaches are important enough to be included in that little, here's some cash for, for coaching your team situation. And then that, because not all the coaches are getting paid. And so it drives me up, up the wall, you know, from my own personal experiences and what I've, what I witnessed, it drives me up a wall. Either that you deem yourself more important or better of a coach simply because you're buddy-buddy with a director and you're the one coaching the top team more so than another coach. And it drives me crazy if every coach should get paid or no coach should get paid. I don't care what team you are coaching. Either you all get paid in a divided-up fair equal amount or nobody gets paid and then that money that comes in that the director collects for the association every year for registration goes back into the association for efficient and substantial ice time for teams for travel for tournaments for resources for those who can't fully afford to pay to play what and all these things and that's how it should be, but it's not. When we the money look- comes in, the director takes it all. I'm going to get fancy things for my for my midget double A team, and all this stuff. And then the people real close to me that I go out for beers with afterwards, my inner circle, they then get money too. And then everybody else is just, hey, you know, thanks for volunteering and giving back. Yeah, and I, it's 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 corrupt and it's at ridiculous. At least at the level where you own a franchise, yep. if you own a, a KI team uh, in in the junior B ranks, if you own a BCHL team or a WHL team, you are on the hook. You're gonna pay. You're gonna pay millions for a WHL team. You're gonna pay. I I think they paid upwards of a million to move. Kootenai to win Winnipeg, uh, including all of the costs to get things relocated and set up the logistics there. You got a lot of money invested. You go get corporate sponsorships, you sell season tickets, you put an entertaining product on the ice, you recruit good players, you draft good players, you put the best possible experience you can into your dressing room, into player development so that players want to play there. And you put people in the stands who, because they want to see good players. Then you have sponsors that come in and write checks because they want to reach the fans that are there. So that cycle of events feeds itself, and it's all good. If you let that cycle go bad, that's on the owner. That, that responsibility lies with the owner, and he starts to suffer losses. And we see it. We see it time and time and time again. Uh, we just saw it here in Vernon a few years ago. Vipers won the BCHL championship, went into the RBC Cup, and lost an absolute fortune. West Kelowna Rockets, and I, I apologize if anybody's listening who knows someone personally involved in this, West Kelowna Rockets won the BC, RBC Cup in, what, 16? 2016. Lost hundreds of thousands of dollars ownership group refused to go on with it so when you see it with the you see the money problems too and but one with, player with the, doesn't with, benefit with, more than with another the penticton v's with the way with comcast and the way things are going with that you see money problems there right employees are not getting paid 
everybody's on a volunteer basis. Comcast makes their money though, right? And yep. And then, and not only that, but then the the franchise as a whole loses money every time they get on a bus and travel because now they don't have the substantial money coming in to properly counteract all that. The other problem that most junior franchises have, and this is this goes directly to what you're saying, most of them don't have their own building. They, most franchises, even in the NHL, as we all know, have to enter into some sort of a cooperative agreement with the city because a building, a nice building in the show, can cost you a, a billion dollars to build. Not everybody is Daryl Cates. Not everybody has the kind of money that it takes to get this done. So you enter into an agreement with the city. The city wants to get the taxpayers' money back, or so they'd have you believe. Yeah. But you've got taxpayers on the hook to put, to put up a building for your local franchise to play in, whether it's junior or, or professional. Then you've got an owner that needs to remain solvent. So this, you, how that money is handled is critical because if, you, if you're to lose somebody, look what happens if something in West Kelowna or in Kootenai, in, uh, in Cranbrook, when something goes bad and you lose a team or a town, and you're too young to know this. Like but what potentially it, may be happening with Merritt. Yeah, Merritt. Merit may, Merit Merit may be folding here soon. Or and that's, relocates. And anybody listening that is a fan of Merit or um, follows the BCHL, we're, this is not b- us breaking anything, breaking no. any news. This is speculation that we heard through yeah. a, a we don't. tertiary source. That, But for the base of, basis of this conversation, I bring it up on the basis that it is something we heard, and therefore it is... Credible, it is a credible thing to at least bring up. Yeah. This is not us saying that it will happen it's not or that anything has, has been broken news wise. No. It's just, it's been brought up that merit, given where they are in the standings, given different things like that, they potentially are facing some issues. Well, when that's you the only that, reason I bring it up. So, when you, th- that's the, that's the downward, that's the death spiral is when you start losing, you have turmoil in the coaching staff and in the player ranks, you have trouble recruiting good players. Now people don't show up. When people don't show up, the sponsors are not going to pay big money to reach 300 people sitting in the stand, sitting on their hands every night. They want to see two or 3,000 people who are excited to be there, who are actually at the game and spending a lot of money and willing to go go out and spend money. So when, when that spiral goes bad, you become a franchise that has to relocate or fold. When it goes well, you become the London Knights. You become the, you know, the Red Deer Rebels. Uh, I mean, there's, there's a lot of them around. Medicine Hat's been successful for years and years. W- franchises that are constantly good, supported well by, the, by uh, their community, ticket sales, uh, sponsorships. Brooks Bandits, exemplary franchise, Penticton V's. Um, when it goes well, uh, Bruce Hamilton's done a masterful job with the Kelowna Rockets. You, you get a 20-year run of competitive teams, sponsorships, ticket sales, things are, everybody's happy. When it goes bad, oh my gosh. When the wheels start to come off, it is almost unfixable. Uh, and it takes... It takes a lot of money to get that right. At the minor hockey level, the the income is controlled by a couple of people, normally, uh, or by a small group of people, and the expenses are also controlled that way. And it is not equitable for the players. It's not equitable for all the coaches. Not everyone is treated the same. Mm-hmm. That's that's a fouled up system. That's well, it, where it, it needs it, to go. It and, needs to either be privatized. And have someone purchase that, like I'm. I'm guessing there's a way that a that a single individual or a group of people can purchase a minor hockey program, and make it right. Make it run like a junior franchise. Bring in sponsorship. Do charity drive things. Uh, maybe some uh, some ticket sales and 50/50s and things like that that can put a little bit of offset to the parents constantly 
shelling out money for their kids to play. Well, that, that's what I mean. And maybe help people who can't afford to play to get a little bit of uh, of a scholarship help. That's what I mean with at the, at the youth hockey level of of things going back into the hockey community, right? Things going back into the people that are investing in you, mm-hmm. right? They invest the money in you. That money should be turned around into providing them with the best environment for their child to play at. Right. And right now, right now there isn't a youth hockey association that I'm aware of. Now there are certain coaches, certain teams that are doing it right. Right. In not only in the United States, but in Canada, but for the most part, there's a lot of associations that are just corrupt and just wrong. They're money way they do it and the way they do it. And it needs to go back into the community to properly help the the people that are investing in their child playing for you and you just you don't you don't see it to the point where here's what I'll say about it some of the best coaches that I that I have been around not only in my time growing up playing but in in the time I spent coaching some of the best coaches are the ones not getting paid Oh, absolutely. Some of the best coaches that know the game the most and and everything are the ones not getting paid. They're the ones they're the ones working having to work 9 to 5 and then still show up for 4 hours of practice. Right. And do these things and 100%. And on top of that, they're also the ones not getting the opportunity and the benefits of coaching a higher level team. They're the ones stuck with coaching your C's and your house. And I don't mean stuck to mean that that's you know that that's hell. No, you those know, are important. It, those are important the, levels and important development. Important for development. Don't get me wrong. That's not what I mean. But my point being that they're the ones not being allowed the opportunity to coach the double A's and the A's. They're the ones not getting paid, and they're some of the best coaches. Yes. Whereas the ones getting enough money to afford all these fancy things and do all these things and and buy all these things and all this stuff they may they may know the game and they may be good but they're not the best coaches that at an at an association and at least from my reasons. at least from my perspective my firsthand perspective they're not i i was an assistant coach for for a guy who is who's a tremendous guy and a tremendous coach but he's he's not on the inner circle payroll, yeah. so <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah. It, so it's I just sure do. it's it's a and you, and you know from from watching me grow up playing and as well as participating in coaching that it's just it's a shame. It's a corrupt system that these inner circle guys are the ones getting the private ice time and you're not. I'll tell you what I saw. They're firsthand. the one getting paid and you're they're, not. And all these it's just it's a back assword thing i saw too much corruption in those systems um there there's one there's one episode that stood out we had a this was um i want to say again early 2000s maybe 2004 2005 we had a a meeting amongst the high school league and the, the state sanctioned high school league and all the local associations and the directors from all those associations were there. And they were complaining because most of their bantams and midgets were leaving the association where they had to pay a lot of money to go play association hockey and coming to the high schools, which had way better schedules. They were Fans were filled with students. All the girls were there. It was exciting around the school. They could play for their team, for their school. They could stay home and actually be teenagers. So they were excited to play high school hockey. They were bailing out of midgets. And so the meeting was for the intention of the associations giving up midget hockey altogether or, or giving it up to, uh, to any travel degree and letting the kids all be released of any kind of opportunity in midgets because they were all, no offense to anybody playing A or double A, but these were not the finest of all midget players in the area. So they could go play high school. 
these guys, every single one of them, and I could name the names and you know them, they all said, but we make, we make a lot of money off of midgets. And if we don't have that money, the association might not need to pay me to be its director. They might <laughs> Amen. not have And they all actually said <laughs> that out loud. They, they said it right in, and they were, it was unanimous. There yeah. were like six or seven of them there. They all said the same thing. And I thought, oh my gosh, you guys are really in this. For, you're only here for yourself. You don't care are, about the are 350 any of those kids. You don't, you don't have to answer this, but are any of those directors at that time still directors I today don't think at any so. associations? I, I don't know for sure because it's been too long ago. And, and I you know looked. I'm thinking of certain yeah. ones. No, I don't think so. I don't think any of them that I was dealing with at that time are still around. But they. But that it, doesn't mean the current ones aren't doing the same thing. It doesn't mean it's changed. It yeah. doesn't mean it's changed. I, I was astounded that not only that's the way they thought and that's the way they operated, but they said it right out loud. <laughs> I, I thought, oh, my God, you guys are like, this is. This you're basically is draining. Uh, you're down. basically draining a, a hardworking family of $25,000 a season. So that you simply can keep so your, you can keep your fancy chair in your little office. Oh, my goodness. And so I like that's that's what I don't get. I don't think there should be any such thing as that. I think if you've got guys that know the game, there should be a, a, a means to give these guys at least a stipend if they choose. There are plenty of guys like the gentleman you were talking about who would be happy to do it for free, doesn't care. Guys that like a, a young person like yourself starting out, a young family, you want to have, I mean, you, you can't afford to shell out not only a couple of hundred hours through the winter, but thousands of dollars on hotels and gas and meals and travel and being away from home. You can't do that. So in order to keep good people and, re, and recycle the energy and the youth in the coaching ranks, you have to be able to help them out. You can't do that if you're paying somebody to work as a full-time job to make a dictatorship out of running the, the what system. Is, what is and that's exactly what, that's what we see yeah. in some of the areas here. That's what we saw years ago when you were growing up. So it, it is, it is. And personal stories, you know, that, that proves all this. I mean, you can't tell me that there's anybody, you know, for for these associations that was a better coach than I could have been. No. And that's not that's not patting myself on the back. That's not, you know, any type of selfish comment. That's just a a factual statement. You can't it's straightforward. Um but I'm brought in and I'm told that I'm not going to get paid and then what the whole time I'm there the the whole time I'm there the director and these higher these and I'm doing air quotes here, these higher up coaches like don't even look at me, let alone, let alone ask me how my day was, you know, and, and I'm here for me, but yet you see them constantly walking into the director's office and closing the door. Right. And you're changing your skates, you know, out by the lockers where the figure skaters are, are standing and you're, you know, you're doing these things. And I, I caught on real quick how things operated. I did too. I saw it. I, and, and when I, it, when I it sat came in those to, coaches and, meetings and listened yeah. to it, I and saw it And when it came it time to, when it came time, personal story, when it came time to, um, start looking at options for what I'm going to do co- for coaching the next season, when it, ta- when nobody would look me in the eye and nobody would vouch for anything. <laughs> all of it's all of a sudden it's shrug the shoulders. Uh, I don't know what you want me to do. Yeah. And it's like, oh, you're out of luck, pal. Okay. I, so I, I see how it was. I was the I was the quote new guy. So you, you stick me with the, the lower team. And again, nothing against that level. It's no. an, it's an integral, it's an integral cog in the developmental in the developmental machine, if you will, of developing tremendous young men and, and young hockey players. But my point being, you stick me with the lowest team, you don't pay, and then I'm the and then I'm the easy one out when when it I mean it just it the whole system top down is is corrupted. It's, and it's corrupted based on what our topic is today and that is money. That's the money. And that's the the, the money. B- make no mistake the the might 
house player is just as important as the midget triple-A. Those, those, those six-year-olds are, the, the six-year-old Timbits are just as important as the midget triple-A. It's irrelevant how much, you, how much talent you have, how old you are, or anything else. And it is considerably more expensive to play AAA and travel all over North America than it is to play in the, in the house league at six or seven years old. So the money, the, the balance of money is irrelevant. The fact that at some point when you're in a pay-to-play system, you have to shell out. And if you're going to be good enough that you're you're trying to be drafted into you know in the Bantam draft into a junior league, so that you can either go to college or play major junior, and further your career, then that's fine. If you're going to make that commitment, you got to make the commitment, and that that means money because it costs a lot. At the at the younger, not the lower levels, but at the younger levels, it does not need to be that way. You, there is plenty of good competition without having to pay a fortune and pay an entire coaching staff and have your own training facility. If you want to have, and I saw it, and you probably did too, if you want to have a nutritionist for your kid at the age of nine, go right ahead. Yep. That's up to you. That's not up to the team to provide that. So don't put that in my budget. Put in the ice time, and if we're going to pay a guy, we're going to pay a guy. But if you're at the... If you're at the normal association levels, pay everybody the same, either not at all or a stipend. But the full-time job aspect is just silly. It's absolutely silly. And I don't care who you are, call or write or whatever, whatever you want to do. If that's a if that's your full time job, that is it's for the birds. I, that's I mean, and it's, it's where it's things ridiculous. go bad. It's, it is. It's it's ridiculous. And I you know. There's, you can call us and write, and write us on social media or do whatever, all bent out of shape. But the fact, the fact, this is fact. It's not opinion. The fact is, if you're making a living being a youth hockey coach, then that right there is a corrupt system. It's what's wrong with it's minor what's hockey. wrong I, with minor hockey, and it's the it's, it's the same way you, you can say if politicians are getting rich doing what they're doing. It's 100%. a corrupt system. Well. It's a corrupt youth hockey is corrupt. If you are making enough money to literally do nothing else for work, but simply go to the ice rink, push some pucks around, blow a whistle, tell kids where to stand that's, and then go home. That that's it's a corrupt system. It's the old joke. And it's, and it's corrupt because not everybody gets it. Well, yeah. And I hate to be, and I hate to be that kind of way with it it's, of, it's well, not did just, you make enough cookies for everybody? But no, it's if, if you're in this aspect with money involved, either there's enough money in the budget to pay every coach the equivalent of, like you said, a stipend, or the money goes back into the association, back into the kids, back into all this stuff, and nobody gets paid. Right, and scholarship some of the needy or whatever. I, I don't care, but it's not. It, it's the it's the old joke about the two reasons that you have this job is the first and the 15th. And if you're in it to make a living, you're in it for the wrong reasons if you're in minor hockey. That's all there is to it. And, and I, I'm not saying that if you're, if you're in there making, uh, making a living as a minor hockey administrator that you're not a good coach. I don't know you. I don't care. Yeah. You may be a wonderful coach. You may be a wonderful person. But it, as far as the money in the system is concerned, that's not, the, that's not right. It just simply isn't right to have somebody doing that as a full-time job. And it's not just the money that they take away from the parents and the kids. It's the power. Mm -hmm. That's probably worse than the fact that you've got, you know, 400 kids in your minor hockey system and and the coach's salary and his assistant and everybody else's salary costs everybody an equal uh, 80 bucks a year. It's not a deal breaker. The problem is those guys now have all the power of the sun and moon to make decisions over who gets paid, who coaches, who doesn't coach, which kids land where. And And when there's money involved, the decisions are not made on a straightforward basis. Which kids get ice time. Right. If you're a coach not getting paid, you you don't have the power and the authority to, to say anything in no matter how polite you choose to say it to a parent 
about their kids ice time or lack thereof yeah. or why or why your your kid was pulled if your kid's a goaltender i faced an issue with with a parent because of that and i don't and because i wasn't getting paid i didn't feel in the in the aftermath of that that i had any support from the association because i'm not getting paid i'm now vilified by not only the parent even though i did nothing wrong i'm now vilified by the parent who's going to vilify you anyway and <laughs> the and the entire association because I'm not, I'm not getting paid. So they have no investment in me. So, well, all right, screw you. I've, I faced that personally and it, it's ridiculous. This is the, uh, and it's, it's, it's the skew that way too of the, of you now have no authority when a dad or a mom comes to you and says, so why did my son not get the same ice time as this person? If I'm not on the inner circle getting this getting this money, I I don't feel like I have the power, polite or not politely, to say, well, he wasn't good enough. He wasn't or good he enough. Wasn't, or he wasn't showing up for you know, practice. He's, exactly. He's but not, yet, if you make the money, you can say whatever you want, and nobody nobody bats an eye. And that's the corrupt system. And it's not to vilify the people necessarily. Again, no, it's a, if it's a it's a system thing. It's it's not a system thing that doesn't mean that there aren't corrupt people involved, but it just means that not every inv individual involved is corrupt. But it's a corrupt system, and if you're making enough money in youth hockey, whether it's the United States or Canada or Great Britain, I don't really care. If you're making enough money in youth hockey, youth hockey, and we're advocates for developmental hockey. One hundred percent. But that's after the most. But that's exactly why we're kind of ranting and raving this this episode about about the money aspect is because we are advocates for the developmental side of the game. If you are making enough money at the youth hockey level to make a living, not just pay your phone bill, but I mean make a living, buying cars, you know, fancy dates, doing whatever, making a living, then that is the exact proof of what is wrong with the youth hockey system yep. right there. So I, we, we came a long way from Adam Cracknell, but actually there, you know, whether you call it a salary cap or, or, you know, just simply making ends meet minor hockey, junior hockey, any sort of developmental programs all the way to the NHL, you've every decision comes down to the money. And if anybody tells you otherwise, they're not. Don't believe them because it, it it is always about the money, somewhere, somehow. And I know that's generally my take on everything, but I believe if you follow it, you'll you'll understand why things get done the way they do. Now we're not probably let's, not likely to change anything, but no. that's the realities of it. Yeah, we're, we're, don't get it any don't get it twisted to anybody that's hearing this. We're, we're not ranting because we think ranting in a microphone in a recording studio is what's going to change the system. But we're, we're telling you these facts, these facts from what we've witnessed, from what we know, facts of the youth hockey system so that you are at least aware. Yep. That's all we can really do because at the end of the day, the wheels are going to continue to turn in that system. And one director leaves, another one takes his place, and it's just going to continue. I don't... So unless there's... And I'm not saying there can't be change, but... Don't, don't, un, don't misunderstand this part either. Neither of us right now, certainly me, but neither of us really are trying to be... We don't want to be minor hockey coaches necessarily. We don't want to be minor hockey administrators. We're not trying to get those jobs. We don't care. We're just telling you that there are things you have to watch out for. If your kids or your grandkids are going to play minor hockey, there are, there are landmines in there. Every single one of them comes back to money. And, and it's, it's the thing that you have to look out for. I don't, I think there is a business model and we're not in the business here uh, at War Room of just complaining about problems. Yep. We create, we can create solutions too. And I can, I can absolutely tell you there is a business model 
solution for a minor hockey system. But you have to Whether want it, to implement. You have, and, and the first thing you have to do is clean out everybody who, who controls the money for the wrong reason. You have it to controls money for the wrong reason. Clean anybody who's anybody who's anybody who's taking money for the wrong reason because right. they're they're now the trickle down effect of the connection to to the problem yeah there's now if you can that doesn't mean you f- you get rid of them maybe you go in and you say here's how it's going to be from now on we're fixing things and maybe they go all right fine yeah. but let me let me tell you this if they're making enough money in youth hockey to make a living they're not just going to simply go oh all right so yeah, I think you, we should change this. So you know that they're there that that's another person you're going to have to clear out. So right. it, it that's the way to do it though. Business model and clear out everything everybody who controls the money for the in the wrong ways for the wrong reasons and everybody as a result who makes money in the wrong way for the wrong reasons as a result because that's the only way to clear it out and start over. Developmental hockey Evan is what we care about here. Mm-hmm. The the National Hockey League doesn't need us. Nope. They don't care about our opinion, and it doesn't matter ever to them, nor will it, I, and we don't expect it to. But developmental hockey is what makes us tick. It's what we like. It's, you know, the, from little kids to the minor leagues, it's, it's what makes our, our world go round. And, and we're, try, we're, not, we're not in this to complain about individuals. We're not in this to complain about any particular system or or people or this coach or that coach i don't care i just want to see them all run right i want to see them all run fairly i want to see the kids get a fair shake and the player who may not be the greatest on in town when he's seven or eight he might be the best around when he's 15 or 16 or 25 or 27 you don't know. Give them all a chance. Give them all an equal chance. Treat your coaches fairly. Treat your kids fairly. And d- insist that they do the same in return because as much as we know that there is corruption and and favoritism amongst minor hockey administrators and coaches, we also know that there is an absolute foulness about some of the parents too oh. and it is a major problem but it's a it's a problem that goes sold on the it's dream. a problem that goes hand in hand a lot of times the parents that you get problems from are the parents that are again involved in the corruption aspect well i'm like well, case, i'm sorry but let's be honest maybe that makes them like the uh the celebrities and the paparazzi maybe they just deserve each other well exactly <laughs> maybe we can be maybe we can be satisfied in that well, exactly. Like, but, but, but it's true. Like the parents that you find complaining about ice time or about, you know, how their kids treated or about this, that, or the other, or my kids should have made the A team, not the B team or anything like that are the people that are involved in the corruption. They're the people that are in the inner circle. They, they're buddy, buddy with the, with the directors and the higher ups. And, and if they're not, they will be pretty yeah, soon because they exactly, won't sit still. For it exactly. For so they're, <laughs> You know, it's the vicious circle, the vicious cycle, if you will, you know, administrators and it, you said coaches, not all coaches, administrators oh, no, no, and, no. A, and a certain number and a certain individuals and certain number of coaches I, and then to and then to certain parents and then back to those administrators. Right. And then it's the vicious, vicious circle, vicious cycle of it. And, you know, so that's the problem. Now, we've done about an hour here of the negatives and the complaining about money. And unfortunately, a lot of times the negatives outweigh the positives. You know, that's, that's why marriages face issues because of money. That's why, because money has a negative effect. Sure. But there, there are positive things that can come from money if money is used the right way. Right. Absolutely. And there's, there's positive things that can happen. There's positive things that are happening. There are associations and in certain areas like Minnesota, there's a lot in Minnesota. Yeah. And um, there's certain ones in, in Canada. Those those two examples are the only ones I know of that are doing it right. I so and that's the of doing it right of the money coming in and the money being dispersed in a efficient, fair way, not only to the coaches, but back into the community and back into the players that are investing in 
said high school or said association. Yeah. So there are positives out there. So don't don't think that this is us ranting and raving and then that's it. If there you, there are positives out there. So oh, there's the, the positives far outweigh the negatives, but it could be better. And at a time when when minor hockey enrollment overall is flat or declining in a lot of areas, there there really needs to be some cleanup. And it probably starts with the equitable way that parents and kids and coaches are treated. And that goes both ways. And if you're a, if you're a parent who's trying to, to glean favoritism or if you're a coach who is participating in that, shame on you. Get out. Get, get out of the system. Go drop your kid off at the rink and go away or stop coaching or just get out of the road altogether because you are really what's wrong with this system. And, and we don't want to see we don't want to see that kind of stuff. We don't want to see towns that lose their minor hockey programs. It makes life difficult. And you've seen the smaller the community, the, the, the bigger the problem. You get a little town that starts to have enrollment trouble in minor hockey for whatever reason. Maybe in some cases even lose their rink. And it's the it's a death knell for a for a small town, and so you have to be careful of that in in some of the small communities. But if you want to see the positive side, and it's a good point, if you have access, uh, if you are in Canada, watch Rogers hometown hockey on Sunday afternoon. They do a great job with the grassroots of the game. They do a great job with the volunteerism and the support and the great stories, the redeeming stories in our game that make the world go round. And they, they are fantastic with it. Ron McLean and Tara Sloan do a fantastic job. Hats off to them. Anyway, I, um, I've been thinking, though, while we're talking about all this, I really miss, remember that guy with the helmet and the trike that goes screaming by here? Oh here, Once, yeah. He goes. He goes whistling oh, and he down wearing, this road. Wearing that Jofa old Jofa yeah, Wayne old Gretzky style Jofa helmet. Looks like bubbles on a tricycle, just <laughs> screaming down this road. And he's oh, he's him. Doesn't he normally come come by uh, with a pipe in his mouth too, or something, I think he something does. like that? Yeah, he's got a he's got a little old flag. hockey helmet style hockey helmet on. Yeah, and motorized scooter and. You know, because he's he's an older gentleman, and he's got a pipe in his mouth. He's got a, pipe. He's got a Canadian. Uh, is that a Canadian flag, or I think is it? Is I think it he has um, a Canadian flag. And a Canadian flag blowing, you know, and everything. And it's one. And, it's one of those recumbent trikes. I really, I want. I gotta find and it, that it, guy. It seems to move a little bit, so it's like he souped it up a little bit because it, it moves in motors he goes a little bit fast through here. I could, if you see him around town, let me know. I, I need to track him down. We should see if we can get him on the show. <laughs> Speaking of getting people on the show. We're going to hit uh, maybe Ben Walter next week or Greg Wilson. Or Greg Wilson. Um, and we're going to, I think we'll next week, rocket, we're going to the Rockets, game, Rockets game. First, uh, first look Rockets, at the Rockets hosting the um, Memorial Cup this year. Yeah. Um, Nolan Foote, uh, youngest son of Adam Foote, Hall of Famer. Um, Adam Foote, the head coach. Nolan Foote drafted by the Tampa Bay Lightning in this year's draft. Um, recently named captain of the Kelowna Rockets. Really kind of coming into his own as a goal scorer and and as a young player. Um, so they're, they're, they've made some moves of, of late. And they're, you know, like you see with a lot of teams that are going to host, right? And uh, so shuffling the deck. They're giving be, away four years for the draft picks to yeah. try to show up for the... And, and be, everybody uh, does it the same. They yeah. have no choice. Should be an interesting run for them. So uh, that's what we're looking forward to uh, next week. Um, like we do every week, what are we looking forward to? That's that's coming up next week, uh, as well as just the continued action. Uh, Patrick Line out with a lower body injury. Uh, Miko Rantanen out with a lower body injury. Landis, Landis Cog. Cog out with a lower body injury. Muzzin uh, and uh, Muzzin out. Muzzin and Riley did, were not at practice yep. today. So some injuries going around, but... Um, and cream rises out. Cream rises to the top. Yeah, I so was just some, gonna say. So uh, it'll be an interesting time for some of these teams that are facing injuries to see what they can do, uh, what their depth can um, can handle, and um, and everything. But cream rises to the top. We're getting ready for American Thanksgiving here. So and that's usually around the time where normally the teams that are in the playoffs are the ones that make the playoffs at the end of the year at that time. So. Yeah. Um, 
cream rises to the top. A lot to look forward to. So um, want to want to end on a positive note. That was a long discussion about money and thus uh, the negatives as a result of it. Um, but end on a positive note. Um, some smiles and and some good some good positive things. So so are we? Does that mean we're headed to breakaway? That's about as positive and smiling of, of a note as I can imagine ending on. Is that what we're doing? Break away for a pint of cold beer. Yes. Uh, we can if you want. Um, anyways, All thank right, you. I gotta go. <laughs> thank <See> you. <laughs> uh, we seem to be doing pretty well without Louie recently. I know. So we don't say some anything. success. I think, you know what? I think we either we either Knock need to find a new guy on wood. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so thank you for sticking with us. Um, if you made it to the end of the episode, uh, thank you for sticking <laughs> with us through an hour-long episode of Two Minutes for Instigating. Yes. Um, that was a full-on suspension there. That it was, was a... but you know what? It's good to have episodes like this sometimes to, <laughs> to have real conversations. Well, we'll uh, sometimes will be we, lighter next week if Greg joins Oh, at 100%. Sure. But um, <laughs> sometimes you have to have... Sometimes it's too fluffy, if you will, if everything yeah. is just light. You got to have some real conversations, even if that means there's some heavy things. So thank you for sticking with us. Yep. Um, thank you to everybody for tuning in. Tell um, your friends. We appreciate the support. Can't do it without you. Um, head to Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. That's War Room the Hockey Podcast, at War Room the Hockey Podcast, and at War Hockey, respectively. Uh, follow and like. To follow along, head to Spotify and Apple Podcasts, subscribe, rate, and review, share with family, friends to continue to help this this uh, podcast and the show grow. We greatly appreciate the support. Thank you for joining in the studio again this week. I say this from in absolutely dead seriousness. We don't just sign off by saying cheers to everybody. We mean it. I, I mean, I'm leaving. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, but th- thank you for joining the studio again this week. Always. Um, greatly appreciated. I'm Evan Rauer with Warren, the Hockey Podcast. We will see you all throughout the hockey community. And cheers. Cheers.